chapter forty seven of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter forty seven mischief in a household it seems that no sooner did parson chowne discover how cleverly i had escaped him after leaving my mark behind in a way rather hard to put up with than he began to cast about to win the last stroke somehow and this not over me alone but over a very much greater man who had carried me off so shamefully that is to say captain bampfylde heaviside was not there as yet but with us in the alcestis so that he could not describe exactly the manner of chowne's appearance only he heard from the people there that never had such terror seized the house within human memory not that chowne attempted any violence with any one but that all observed his silence and were afraid to ask him what was done that night between sir philip and the parson or even between the parson and sir philip's heir the squire whose melancholy room that chowne had dared to force himself into nobody seemed to be sure although every one craved to have better knowledge but it was certain that isabel carey went to her room very early that night and would have no nanette for her hair and in the morning was not fit for any one to look at unless it were one who loved her great disturbances of this sort happen by some law of nature often in large households give me the quiet cottage where a little row just now and then comes to pass and is fought out and lapses when its heat is over into very nice explanations and women's heads laid on men's shoulders and tears that lose their way in smiles and reproach that melts into self-reproach however this was not the sort of thing that any sane person could hope for in thirty miles distance from master stoyle chowne after once displeasing him and what do you think parson chowne did now or at least i mean soon afterwards that night he had pressed his attentions on the beautiful young lady so that in simple self-defence she was forced to show her spirit this aroused the power of darkness always lurking in him so that his eyes shone and his jaws met and his forehead was very smooth for he had a noble forehead and the worse his state of mind might be the calmer was his upper brow after frightening poor miss carey not with words but want of them which is a far more alarming thing when a man encounters women he took out his rights in the house by having an interview with sir philip and no one could make any guess about what passed between them only it could not be kept from knowledge of the household that parson chowne obtained or took admission to squire philip also of this unhappy gentleman very little has been said because i then knew so little i am always the last man in the world to force myself into private things in finding out once that i must not ask never to ask is my rule of action unless i know the people however it does not look as if master heaviside had been gifted with any of this rare delicacy and thus he discovered as follows 
squire philip's brain was not so strong as captain bampfylde's he had been very good at figures while things went on quietly also able to ride round and see the tenants and deal with them as the heir to a large estate should do the people thought him very good and that was about the whole of it he never hunted he never shot he did not even care for fishing a man may do without these things if he gets repute in other ways especially in witchcraft but if he cannot show good cause for sticking thus inside four walls an english neighbourhood is apt to set him down for a milksop and tenfold thus if he has the means to ride the best horse and to own the best dogs and to wear the best breeches that are to be bought squire philip must not be regarded however with prejudice he had good legs and a very good seat and his tailor said the same of him also he took no objection to the scattering of a fox with nothing left for his brush to sweep up and his smell made into incense nor was the squire from any point of view or of feeling squeamish nevertheless he did not give satisfaction as he should have done he meant well but he did not outspeak it only because to his quiet nature that appeared so needless and the rough rude world undervalued him because he did not overvalue himself this was the man who had withdrawn after deep affliction into a life or a death of his own abandoning hope too rapidly he had been blessed or cursed by nature with a large soft heart and not the flint in his brains there should be for a wholesome balance i know the men they are not very common and i should like to see more of them this squire philip's hair was whiter than his father's now they said and his way of sitting and of walking growing older no wonder when he never took a walk or even showed himself rather like a woman yielding who has lost her only child it is not my place to defend him all our ways are not alike to my experience he seemed bound to grieve most about his children for a man may always renew his wife more easily than his children but squire philip's view of the matter took a different starting-point it was the loss of his wife that thus unwisely overcame him accordingly he had given orders for women alone to come near him because they reminded him of his wife and went all around in a flat-footed way and gave him to see that they never would ask yet gladly would know his sentiments and living thus he must have grown a little weak of mind as all men do with too much of a female circle round them what parson chowne said to this poor gentleman on the night we are speaking of was known to none except themselves and two or three maids who listened at the door because their duty compelled them thus to protect their master and all of these told different stories agreeing only upon one point but the best of them told it as follows chowne expressed his surprise and concern at the change in his ancient friend's appearance and said that it was enough to make him do what he often had threatened to do squire philip then asked what he meant by this and he answered in a deep low voice bring to justice the villain who for the sake of his own advantage has left my poor philip childless and with all the fair isabel's property too greedy greedy scoundrel they could not see the poor squire's face when these words came home to him but they knew that he fell into a chair 
and his voice so trembled that he could not shape his answer properly then you too think as i have feared as i have prayed as i would die rather than be forced to think my only brother and i have been so kind to him for years and years that he was strong and rough i know but such a thing such a thing as this he began to indulge his propensities for slaughter rather early i think i have heard people say yes yes that boy at school but this is a wholly different thing what had my poor wife done to him did you ever hear that drake bampfylde offered himself to the princess while you were away from home and a little before you did i never heard anything of the kind and i think that she would have told me i rather think not it would be a very delicate point for a lady however it may not be true chowne it is true from the way you say it you know it to be true and you never told me because it prevents any further doubt now i see everything everything now chowne you are one of the best of men i know that i am said the parson calmly although it does not appear to be the public opinion however that will come right in the end now my poor fellow your wisest plan will be to leave yourself altogether to a thoroughly trustworthy man do you know where to find him only in you in you my friend my father will never come to see me because you know what i mean because i dare to think what is now proved true now philip my old friend you know what i am a man who detests every kind of pretence even a little inclined perhaps to go too far the other way yes yes i have always known it you differ from other men and the great fault of your nature is bluntness philip you have hit the mark i could not have put it so well myself my fine fellow never smother yourself while you have such abilities alas i have no abilities chowne the whole of them went when my good luck went and if any remained to me how could i care to use them after what you have told me too my life is over my life is dead all the maids agreed at this point and would scorn to contradict that poor squire philip fell down in a lump and they must have run in with their bottles and so on only that the door was locked moreover they felt and had the courage to whisper to one another that they were a little timid of the parson's witchcraft there had been a girl in sherwell parish who went into the parson's service and because she dared to have a sweetheart on the premises she had orders for half an hour before and after the moon rose to fly up and down the river Eo, from sherwell mill to pilton bridge and her own mother had seen her therefore these maids only listened all this shows a noble vein of softness in you my good friend this was the next thing they could hear it is truly good and grand what a happy thing to have a darling wife and two sweet children for the purpose of having them slain and then in the grandeur of soul forgiving it this is noble this is true love how it sets one thinking this was the last that the maids could hear for after that all was whispering only it was spread in every street and road and lane around in about twelve hours afterwards that a warrant from justices chowne and rambone 
and with consent of philip bampfylde was placed in the hands of the officers of the peace for the apprehension of captain drake upon a charge of murder when sir philip heard of this outrage on himself and tenfold worse upon their blameless lineage he ordered his finest horse to be saddled and put some of his army clothes on not his best for fear of vaunting but enough to know him by then he rode slowly up and down the narrow streets of barnstaple and sent for the mayor and the town council who tumbled out of their shops to meet him to these he read a copy of the warrant obtained from the head constable and asked upon what information laid such a thing had issued betwixt their respect for sir philip bampfylde and their awe of parson chowne these poor men knew not what to say but to try to be civil to every one sir philip rode home to narnton court and changed his dress and his horse as well and thus set off for chowne's house what happened there was known to none except the two parsons and the general but every one was amazed when chowne in company with parson jack rode into barnstaple at full gallop and redemanded his warrant from the head constable who held it and also caused all entries and copies thereof to be destroyed and erased as might be and for this he condescended to assign no reason in that last point he was consistent with his usual character but that he should undo his own act was so unlike himself that no one could at first believe it of course people said that it was pity for sir philip's age and character and position that made him relent so but others who knew the man better perceived that he had only acted as from the first was his intention he knew that the captain could not be taken of course for many a month to come and he did not mean to have him taken or put upon his trial for he knew right well that there was no chance of getting him convicted but by issue of that warrant he had stirred up and given shape to all the suspicions now languishing and had enabled good honest people to lay their heads together and shake them and the boldest of them to whisper that if a common man had done this deed or been called in question of it the warrant would have held its ground until he faced an impartial jury of his fellow-countrymen and what was far more to chowne's purpose he had thus contrived to spread between sir philip and his eldest son a deadly breach unlikely ever to be bridged across at all and quite sure to stand wide for healing up to the dying hour because it was given to all to know that this vile warrant issued upon oath of squire philip and by his demanding and the father's pride would never let him ask if this were so now people tried to pass this over as they do with unpleasant matters and to say let bygones go yet mankind will never have things smothered thus and put away when a game is begun it should be played out when a battle is fought let it be fought out these are principles quite as strong in the bosoms of spectators as in our own breasts the feeling let us live our lives out but isabel carey's wrath would not have any reason laid near it her spirit was as fine and clear almost as her lovely face was and she would not even dream that evil may get the upper hand of us she said to sir philip i will not have it i will not stay in a house where such things can be said of any one 
i am very nearly eighteen years old and i will not be made a child of you have been wonderfully kind and good and as dear to me as a father but i must go away now i must go away so you shall said poor sir philip it is the best thing that can be done you have another guardian more fortunate than i am and my dear you shall go to him then she clung to his neck and begged and prayed him not to think of it more only to let her stop where she was in the home of all her happiness but the general was worse to move than the rock of gibraltar whenever his honour was touched upon my dear isabel he answered you are young and i am old you were quicker than i have been to see what harm might come to you that is the very thing which i am bound to save you from my darling i love you as if you were my own daughter and this sad house will be god knows tenfold more sad without you but it must be so my child you ought to be too proud to cry when i turn you out so not to dwell upon things too much especially when grievous narnton court was compelled to get on without that bright young isabel and the female tailors who were always coming after her as well as the noble gallants who hankered every now and then for a glimpse of her beauty and property isabel carey went away to her other guardian lord pomeroy at a place where a castle of powder was and all the old people at narnton court determined not to think of it while all the young folk sobbed and cried and take it on the average a guinea a year was lost to them all this had happened for seven years now but it was that last piece of news no doubt almost as much as the warrant itself that made our captain carry on so when we were in the lime-kiln because lord pomeroy had forbidden isabel to write to her lover while in this predicament he on the other hand getting no letters without knowing why or wherefore was too proud to send any to her we saw the force of this at once especially after our own correspondence under both mark and signature had for years been like the wind going where it listeth so we resolved to stop where we were upon receipt of rations and heaviside told us not to be uneasy about anything for although he durst not invite us to his own little cottage or rather his wife nanette's he stood so well in the cook's good graces that he could provide for us so he took us into the kitchen of narnton court where they made us very welcome as captain drake's retainers and told us all that had happened since the departure of miss isabel between narnton court and nympton in the first place parson chowne had been so satisfied with his mischief that he spared himself time for another wedlock taking as mrs chowne number four a young lady of some wealth and beauty but reputed such a shrew that nobody durst go near her before she had been mrs chowne a fortnight her manners were so much improved that a child might contradict her and within a month she had lost the power of frowning but had learned to sigh however she was still alive having a stronger constitution than any of the parson's former wives parson jack had also married and his wife was a good one but chowne being out of other mischief sowed such jealousies between them for his own enjoyment that poor master rambone had taken to drink and his wife was so driven that she almost did the thing she was accused of 
very seldom now did either of these two great parsons come to visit sir philip bampfylde not that the latter entertained any ill-will towards chowne for the matter of the warrant for that he blamed his own son the squire having received chowne's version of it and finding poor philip too proud and moody to offer any explanation we had not been at norton court more than a night before i saw the brave general for hearing that i was in the house and happening now to remember my name he summoned me into his private room to ask about the captain who had started off as i felt no doubt for the castle of lord pomeroy i found sir philip looking of course much older from the seven years past but as upright and dignified and trustful in the lord as ever nevertheless he must have grown weaker though he did his best to hide it for at certain things i told him of his favourite son great tears came into his eyes and his thin lips trembled and he was forced to turn away without finishing his sentences then he came back as if ashamed of his own desire to hide no shame and he put his flowing white hair back and looked at me very steadily llewellyn he said i trust in god years of trouble have taught me that i speak to you as a friend almost from your long acquaintance with my son and knowledge of our story my age will be threescore years and ten if i live please god till my next birthday but i tell you david llewellyn and i beg you to mark my words i shall not die until i have seen the whole of this mystery cleared off the honour of my name restored and my innocent son replaced in the good opinion of mankind this calm brave faith of a long harassed man in the goodness of his maker made me look at him with admiration and with glistening eyes for i said to myself that with such a deep knave as chowne at the bottom of his troubles his confidence even in the lord was very likely to be misplaced and yet the very next day we made an extraordinary discovery which went no little way to prove the soundness of the old man's faith End of chapter forty seven